Sooners post-game podcast. This baby is certified fresh. How do you know that? Because the field is right behind us. The lights are still on. The cleaning crew is here. We're in the press box. We're on the sixth floor. We're in that ESPN booth. And uh, they did a pretty good job of trashing it up again. Not like last year when those guys left trash and broken glass everywhere. No disease sandwiches. No disease sandwiches. Yet. <laughs> Yet. I will find it. Yeah, it's not 1.30 in the morning. Like either. Liam Neeson. I will find it and I will eat you. It's, it's almost 9 o'clock. Uh, that's how certified fresh this baby is. Sooners win the opener. 2023 season is underway. 73 to nothing, you guys. 73 zip. That was the biggest season opener victory, large, largest margin of victory in 106 years. There was a 76 nothing over Western Carolina in there. There's a couple of 77 nothings, but season openers. It was a 99-0 win over <laughs> Central Oklahoma in 1917. Since 1917, this is the most dominant season opener. That is something. It really is something. Uh, there was some uh, there was some talk bandied about in the press box tonight about this team tonight against Central Arkansas. Looked different, acted different, approached the game different, had a different mindset. I'm willing to believe that. I'm just not willing to say that that's what I saw. It's, it's still a little too early for me. I go back to last year's non-conference. We talked about it all week. Last year's non-conference, Oklahoma looked mostly dominant. Came back and, you know, beat Kent State. Was it 30-3, to I think? They trailed 3 nothing at halftime, something like that. They scored right before half. Right before On the half. last possession. That's it. Yeah. And then they go to Nebraska, and they just kick the crap out of Nebraska. And so we're all thinking, well, Oklahoma, Venables is... I think we learned a lesson last year not to overvalue, you know, bad non-conference teams. What we saw tonight was a bad non-conference team tonight, this morning, a long time ago now, 10 hours ago now. Uh, what we saw was a bad Arkansas State team. Yeah, and I think that, again, we talked about this, fair or not, um, maybe it's a wild overreaction to basically say, congrats, you want a cookie in yeah. the non-conference, but... Well, I'll just, Brent Venable said, nobody's pounding their chest. Yeah, and, and basically, they're... We'll nitpick because that's what we do. You know us. You come for the nitpicking. A couple of the deep balls from Dilly Gabriel, while they connected, should have been touchdowns. They were held up a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the pass rush. But, I mean, every, everything else, Dilly Gabriel, even notwithstanding, looked like a much improved, uh, a much more efficient. There's the buzzword guy. Uh, the offensive line run game didn't really come together. I don't know how much of that was a new group trying to gel or them throwing in a running back every drive and those guys trying too hard almost to to show out and have a big, long touchdown run. The receivers look good. You flip it over defensively. There were a couple of us here and there. Nothing's ever going to be perfect, but they were able to rally, and, and they were able to platoon a bunch of guys in the first quarter, John. That that wasn't just, hey, a bunch of guys played because the game got out of hand so early. A bunch of guys played because they played a bunch of guys early, and then the game got out of hand. So it'll be interesting to sift through this and kind of see what's real, what's not. Uh, Oklahoma was helped out by Arkansas State's kicker being atrocious <laughs> as well. It probably should have been 73-6, to six, which I think Oklahoma fans <laughs> still would have taken. Yeah, um, so Ryan and I watched the game as usual from the press box. Uh, we added Tim. Tim sat behind us in the press box. So all Sooners had three folks in the press box. We also had one down on the field. We just, while you, you guys saw me on my phone 60 seconds ago, I was posting uh, and pushing out to social media his 
sideline highlights. So check those out at allsooners.com. Randall, you're down there in the mess. You almost got trampled into a fight yep. by some players. Yep. I don't know if we need to name them or not, or, or what was said. But uh, tell us about your impressions being down on the field. Yeah, I think that uh, you know people really talked about the physicality, the intensity uh, of this team, and I think that you know from a sideline perspective, being on the field, you know, you could really see that these players were taking it seriously. That they, you know, every play were running hard. They were getting excited, and you know, they were amped up. They were, they were, they were tough. They had that intensity about them. Like I saw multiple times, players. You know, I think you mentioned it in talking about a high school game. They played to the whistle and after the whistle. Not dirty, but they were, you know, doing just what you want, you know, blocking to the whistle. And, uh, you know, that, that brings some chippiness, but as an OU fan, you have to love to see that, especially in a game where, you know, you're up 76 or 73 to zero, and, you know, your guys still care enough to get out there, to put that effort forward and to, you know, to get in into it and, you know, smash some heads around. I think that, you know, like Ryan mentioned, they played a ton of guys, and that was something that I really noticed, you know, being down there on the field, trying to get that video, just, you know, looking at who was on the offensive line. You know, I think that it was really interesting because last year we saw them make some kind of wholesale changes at the offensive line. They would bring one group out, bring another group back in. And today that was not the case at all. We would see, you know, I think it was early in the second quarter I saw them pull Savion Bird out and put in Troy Everett and, and at left guard. And that's not anything that Savion Bird was doing poorly because he had some really good plays. I saw him come back in late in the game and just drive some people off the ball. But I think really what that was is to get Troy Everett some experience and to see what they have in him. Uh, and that was that's just one example. They did that across the offensive line. They did that in the running back room. They did that at receiver. Uh, and off, obviously on defense, the Sooners did that as well. I think that playing a lot of those guys right now uh, not only gets the, you the experience, but like we've heard them talk about, you know, the coaching staff talk about in fall camp, it continues those position battles that they've said are going to be continuing through the non-conference schedule. If you look at today, obviously, you know, we don't learn a ton, but if you're OU, you can use it as an opportunity to learn who your guys are, who you like at what positions, and, you know, maybe give you a heads up in some of those position battles. Yeah, we'll break down, try to break down every aspect of the game, and I think we should probably start on offense. 73 points, scored on their first 11 possessions, uh, and then had a punt there in the fourth quarter after uh, Davis Bevel got kind of bent, bent over and taken down pretty hard. Uh, he came out of the game injured, and General Booty came in finished. So um, let's talk quarterbacks, not General Booty, not Davis Bevel, but Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Arnold, 30 out of 33 throw on the football. Jackson Arnold in his college football debut, guys, 11 for 11, 114 yards, having touchdown rushing and a touchdown throwing. Yeah, Jackson <laughs> Arnold was, as much as we talk about Dylan Gabriel being efficient, Jackson Arnold looked really comfortable, really efficient. Part of that was we talked to him after the game, which I know we're into year two of this, but what a novel idea. True freshman who made his college football debut on his birthday. We get to talk to him. We like that. Uh, Jackson talked about not being super nervous. And I, I was interested in that before the spring game or after the spring game. He had said he's a guy that historically has gotten nervous during his high school career. He joked that being up by a billion points at halftime, not his words, mine. Uh, that kind of takes a little bit of the nerves, takes a little bit of the edge off. But... Two drives, they moved straight down the field. He had a great connection with Jaquez Petaway, was able to find um, a couple of nice balls for, to Jaden Gibson, got Jaden Gibson that touchdown, and then 
His third drive of the game, he, he was able to run the ball a little bit. Jeff Levy talked about wanting to dirty him up a little and, and see, hey, it's not all going to be pristine and clean when you're playing football. Jackson Arnold was asked if that was something he wanted. He's like, yeah, I want to run the ball. So he looked comfortable in every bit, the, the five-star talent that was advertised. The offensive line was giving him a ton of time. Arkansas State stinks. All the things, all the things. But Jackson Arnold looked good. And again, Dylan Gabriel looked just as comfortable, I think, as he's looked. Um, he didn't have to do much because Arkansas State was getting no pressure. But again, the, the third downs, things like that, those little misplaced throws. Tonight, the misplaced throws this morning were deep balls that still connected that maybe should have been touchdowns as opposed to missing Drake Stoops on a third down. That, that just didn't happen today. Yeah, he didn't misfire. Uh, what I've noted in the in the blog, the live blog, which, by the way, you guys need to check out the live blog, was roaring all day, really blew up. Uh, I noted that his uh, his mechanics were good. His mechanics were sound. Everything, Every pass he threw, his feet were on the ground, and his motion was perfect. And it's like, oh, that's why they brought him here, not – you know, to panic and freak out and, and overthrow somebody by three yards from when you're five yards away, which he did a couple of times last year. Um, the, the, the throw to Andrew Anthony to start the game, a little bit underthrown, but you'll take that every time because Anthony made a great play. Um, there were a couple of where Anthony got some pass interference calls, which were also kind of badly underthrown. You'll take the 15 yards, but you'd rather have the 70-yard touchdown because it's out in front of him instead of having back here behind him. So he misfired on a couple of those deep balls. On the last one, it, I counted it up real quick from where he was standing to where Anthony was getting up on and saying, hey, that's pass interference, and their flags were flying all over the place. Uh, it was about 50, 52 yards. And I, I looked back at Gabriel, and he was kind of checking out his arm like, is it, is it numb? Is it, I don't know what it was, and I didn't get a chance to ask him, but it just piqued my curiosity if he, if he just uncorked that thing as far as he could and it only went 52 yards. Is that all we're seeing out of him? I don't know. What did you think about the quarterbacks today, Randall? I thought the quarterbacks, uh, I thought, like you said, they looked great. I think that one thing with Jackson Arnold that uh, is really nice to see is that he trusts those receivers. I mean, we saw him throw that, that back shoulder, or not back shoulder, but we saw him throw the, the back corner route to Jaden Gibson yeah. in the end zone. And I mean, that the let's be honest, the defensive back was all over Jaden Gibson. But that's what that is, is that's Jackson Arnold recognizing who's who the receiver is, knowing that he's got that matchup and saying, hey, I can I can put it in the right position for Jaden Gibson to go up and make that play. And, you know, it, it ended up working out for him. And it might not always, especially as a freshman, but I think the fact that he's willing to do that, that he's not gun shy, that he's not... Yeah. Um, you know, scared to take those He's shots. very confident. Yes, that confidence, that's huge. You love to see that in a quarterback, especially as a true freshman, because if they have that confidence as a true freshman, you're only going to be able to grow that confidence from there, especially in games like this where he's going 11 for 11, over 100 yards, touchdown on the ground, touchdown through the air. And we've seen it, we saw it in high school. He was a great runner in high school. Today he looked like a good runner. Yep. I mean, again, Arkansas State, the measuring stick is what it is. Yep. But this is Division One. FBS competition, his first time playing them, and he looks pretty good as a runner, which is, I think, something that maybe OU fans are a little surprised about. I'm actually surprised we didn't see Dylan Gabriel run as much, but I guess... A couple times. Yeah, a couple times, and he did run in a touchdown on, I think, third and goal yep. from the five. Uh, so he did use his legs, and after, I guess... After, he, he ran in that touchdown after he checked. One, two, three, two, okay, I'm running. 
It was impressive. Yeah. He well, went through his reads like twice. Yeah. And he felt the pressure behind him a little bit, too, yes. on the touchdown run. Yes. Uh, both runs resulted in first down pickups. That's something that we talked to, to – I asked Jeff Levy point blank, not game week press conference, so two weeks ago, um, with the confidence behind him, with Jack Snarnold, do you feel like – Gabriel's going to be more involved in the run game, and he politely was like, our quarterbacks are our quarterbacks, running backs are running back. I don't think that's going to be designed, but letting Gabriel do that, that's what we saw in the Cheez-It Bowl, right? Okay. And that's what it was so much more effective in in Lubbock Great. as well. Real quick on the confidence point for Jackson Arnold, I think it's important. Yes, it's Arkansas State. He just threw 11 passes, all the things. We have seen a bunch of highly tatted, confident quarterbacks come through Norman. When you pair confidence and not a lot of maturity, you get the Spencer Rattler experience, which was all the arm talent in the world. And what was he doing? He was trying to fit balls and throwing interceptions. Yep. Jackson Arnold, talking to him after the game, it's his birthday, game one. And when he's getting questions about Dylan Gabriel he, and about being the face of the program, he literally said the words like, it's not my time right now. I'm just doing what I can. I think that maturity, that has stuck out every time we've talked to him. And I think that was on display because you mentioned trusting the receivers, but he wasn't doing it in a in right. like a a Throwing swashbuckling, like yeah. idiotic way. It was, oh, I'm gonna throw this to where it either is gonna end up as an incompletion, a PI, or or a catch. And I think that that's a really important line that yeah. I think we've already seen through a spring game. And again, it was just one drive or one quarter and some change, one game against a really bad team, but. I think it's important to know. I think yeah. the relationship that he's developed with uh, Jeff Lebby and trusting the offense, trusting the playbook, trusting the call uh, is what we saw today. He, he absolutely went into every play with a full knowledge and full breadth of what's going on on the field, what the defense is doing. He trusted his receivers. He trusted his line, too. That's hard for a young guy to do in a college game. Speaking of those receivers, um, this is Brent Venables speaking earlier in the preseason. If Gavin Freeman is our best receiver, then our receivers must not be very good, right? That was Brent Venables assessing what people were saying about from the outside about Gavin Freeman <laughs> being a walk-on, being arguably the best receiver. Well, we, we could say the same thing about Drake Stoops. You know, Jalil Farouk, is he the number one guy? None of those guys behind him have any experience. All those other guys are young and inexperienced. Nobody comes into this. Two guys on the whole roster come into this season with any uh, discernible college football experience. These receivers stink, right? I told you guys in the postseason stand-up out here on, we did on the field, videos at allsooners.com. I said, going into this game, I didn't know who the receivers were that were going to lead the team. In other words, I didn't know who they were. Now it's a situation, halfway through this game, I look, I, I assess and look at who's all catching passes, and you look at the totals here. You look at the number of catches that everybody has. It's the other way for me now. It's like, which one of these guys is going to lead the, the team in receiving? It could be any number of six or seven guys, and you'd be pleased with it. Yeah, it, it really feels like they'll be able to do receiver by committee. We know, and, and you, they just scratched the surface today. Jalil Farouk, I would imagine they're not trying to force feed him, keep him fresh. They know what Jalil Farouk is. They know all the ways they can use him. Drake Stoops, after that uh, third down catch, he left. Brittman will say it was an AC sprain after the game that Drake was pushing to go back in, but they didn't need him. So that feels very precautionary. Uh, Gavin Freeman, as G advertised. G-Freak. I, uh, I agree. G-Freaky. I'm, I'm glad that a lot of us have been banging that drum this offseason because he looked incredible. Andrew Anthony looked really comfortable. Yep. It was important for Jaden Gibson to get those two catches because yep. – 
last time we saw him, limited, limited opportunities last year and, and, and drops that two-point conversion. Being able to roll through these receivers is not something we were able to do at any point last year. Nick Anderson with the huge, yeah. was it the third quarter that, that he ate? Um, Nick Anderson, two for 68, back-to-back -back catches. Yeah. And the two long ones of Gibson, two for 54. That's what you want out of your big-bodied wideouts. Yes. And, and I still don't know how rotation is going to work during the drive. So Oklahoma's still running a lot of tempo. Not as much tempo. We'll get to that. Uh, but still a lot of tempo. But they'll be able to say, hey, on this drive, we'd like to see L.B. Bunkley-Shelton out there. And I think that you, it's always trying to sift through and see the camp stuff. Is it coach speak or do they believe it? I think you can kind of see some of the trust that Jeff Levy talked about for those six to seven guys that they're able to get in early, not all garbage time. Dylan Gabriel, no sacks. Jackson Arnold, no sacks. I just looked it up on the defense. No quarterback pressures by Arkansas State. The offensive line was great. The receivers were great. The quarterbacks were great. Well, what did you think of the way the uh, the receivers handled that, uh, what he was talking about with the spreading it out and the workload with no stress? There, were, there, was a, there was a play where Dylan stepped up, rolled to his right, and just threw a, a wide open wide open pass, nobody around him, to a wide open receiver, nobody around him. I, I think it was great, and I think that the receivers, they love to see that too. I, I mean, you, you'd expect these guys to be competing for targets, competing for catches, which of course they are, but they understand that if one of them succeeds, it helps the entire group. And Jaden Gibson kind of talked about that afterwards. He talked about, you know, seeing everyone in the receiver room succeed and I think that you know that we've heard the same kind of sentiment from the receivers and the coaching staff uh, you know over the past month you know through fall camp and so I think that you know like you said we don't have we don't see an experienced receiver in sooner colors and so having a bunch of guys who can kind of pick up the slack at least in week one is really helpful now as the season prolongs and they, the Sooners get into some you know tighter games we might see like a true number one step up and Andrew Anthony kind of showed that you know he has the potential to be that you know that home run hitter deep ball threat like you said like you guys mentioned Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson two big body receivers I'm gonna be really interested to see how they use them I mean you know Jaden Gibson had those two great contested catches uh, if he's the you know the throw it up go go up and get it type of guy you, you, that's what OU has been hoping for out of Jaden Gibson since he got to campus so if he develops into that, then you know you love to have that asset. You've got your speed vertical guy and Angel Anthony. You've got Drake Stoops and Gavin Freeman, who you know are slot receivers. Gavin Freeman can kind of do a little more of everything, but Drake Stoops, you know, the killer slot receiver. And I mean, that's not even to mention Jaquez Petaway, who true freshman had the most catches on the team. Uh, seemed like you guys said earlier, had a great relationship with Jackson Arnold. It seems like. Uh, and so I think that the OU receiver room, uh, as the season goes on, I think we'll see. Maybe the cream rise to the top, like you're saying, Jalil Farouk maybe gets more in, involved and things like that. But for now, it's good to see that they have, again, buzzword, like Ryan says, take a drink, that competitive depth <laughs> in the receiver room that they can spread the ball out. And even if it is Arkansas State, they can give the ball to 10 different guys and they're all going to look good with it in their hands. Anderson, I'm sorry, Andrew Anthony averaged 22 yards per catch. Uh, Nick Anderson averaged 34 yards per catch. Uh, Jaden Gibson averaged 27 yards per catch. Holy cow. Uh, LB Bunkley Shelton, 16 yards per catch. Pretty good. But all of them paled to Blake Smith and Cade McIntyre, who popped some short throws for us uh, for big gainers, 28 and 26 yards. I'm starting to really like Jeff Levy's passing game. Uh, shout out to the blocking downfield on both of those yes. plays. Mm -hmm. Good work by them. Yeah. Uh, the, the depth behind Austin Stogner is a big question. And 
we talked about this in our predictions who you didn't see a ton of Austin Stoddard in the passing game and I, I we didn't get to ask about it but I really do believe that's by design not because of a negative of Austin Stoddard but I think that Oklahoma knows what they have in Austin Stoddard are saying let's just save you for Big 12 play <laughs> I think we'll see him early next week as Oklahoma fields out SMU we're gonna call it bubble wrap yeah but but for now they're clearly wrapping him up and uh, apology if you're watching us on YouTube uh, the the darting that's happening for all of us it appears that Gunnar Gundy to our left is taking control of the quarterback competition in Stillwater and Shane Green in West Virginia are trying to just mount a last stand against uh, Penn State so College football's happening. One, one, another thing about Austin Stogner that I saw is he was really getting after it as a blocker on the line of scrimmage today. Not, not only was he being physical with his blocks, but mentally, I mean, he was in guys' faces. He was yelling at he dudes. He was being sassy. He was, he was, it's exactly what you want to see from a physical tight end that's going to be on the line. It's going to be blocking dudes. You want to see him get in there and mix it up. Not afraid to mix it up with some of these defensive linemen, defensive backs. That's what I saw. I was... Even though Austin Starter didn't have a catch, I was really impressed by his physicality and how intense he was. Okay, so that's the good stuff. We'll, we'll do a little nitpicking now. I thought the offensive line was fine. Again, it's Arkansas State, and Arkansas State was 3-9 and nine last year. Bunch of transfers. We don't know how good they are or how bad they are, but they looked really bad today. Um, so I can... I could. They're a bad football they're a bad team, football. boss. They're you don't have to. You don't have to couch that I'm one. I'm trying to be bad. nice. I'm trying to be a John, nicer, kinder, how, gentler Hoover. How many times did they jump off sides on PATs? Oh, like, like four? seven. Yeah. The, this on is PATs, seven total on PATs. It was four. <laughs> they, this is a bad football team. Yeah. So the question becomes: If you're playing a season opener against a bad football team, should you? impose your well at the line of scrimmage should you be able to run the football at will oklahoma did that to some degree but they spread it out so much it's hard to randall asked me on the way up here on the elevator like who jumped out at you in the running game nobody nobody did jackson arnold had some nice runs that we <laughs> talked about dylan dylan gabriel scrambles uh javante barnes finished with 49 yards Team high, 49 yards, 3.8 yards per carry. Tawi Walker got the start, which was cool. Scored two touchdowns, good for him. Walk on junior college guy, bet on himself. You love to see these underdog stories, as Brent Venable said. 5.5 yards per carry. Um, Marcus Major, senior year, time to break out, 3.4 yards per carry. Uh, Dalen Smothers got some got some carries late. Uh, Caleb Hicks got some carries late. I just was not blown away not even really impacted much by the by the running game yeah great in pass protection and if you guys watch this podcast listen to it whatever uh you know i'm about as critical as it gets with the offensive line this side of our friend sam mays probably <laughs> um was it great in the run game no but today i thought it looked more first off arkansas state does a lot of run blitzing and inside blitzing just in general um, Oklahoma was hell-bent on basically saying it's just the offensive line, not using a lot of extra guys initially until the Javante Barnes drive. Was that the third offensive drive when they basically said, let's get uh, two tight ends on the field and make that thing happen. I thought the running backs looked a little over-eager to jump into gaps. And again, I mentioned it earlier, I really think that that looked like a running back group that instead of being calm and just doing their thing like i thought one of those guys was almost trying to pop a little yep. too much yep. to, to say it's my job yep. i think they'll settle into that i think that demarco murray and jeff levy will work that out of those guys regardless but there's some improvement that needs to happen for sure i also think that on the ground though 
while you're not going to give it a great grade, considering that they were breaking in three new starters and McCabe Matower, a returning starter, was moving to another side, I think a lot of it looked like first game growing pains. I'm very interested to see what it looks like next week. If there's not that improvement, then let's flag it again. But I, I well, again, not blown away, not overwhelmed in the running game. They fell well short of Tyler Guyton's seven yards per carry, no sacks, got the no sacks, so you get the seven yards per carry. I think that this was a workable, it can improve, sure. as opposed to they don't have the horses. I agree. Um, the What you said about guys, it looked like guys were trying too hard, hitting the hole too fast, not letting things develop, maybe, maybe showing some impatience. Uh, over the course of preseason practice, you saw if you got to, like us, got to go witness some of the, some of the open practices, the periods that we got to witness, there was a lot of emphasis on throwing the football. Um, and there was, it, it appeared to be, we didn't get a lot of team sessions, but it appeared to be not so much emphasis on running the football. You got a new line, you're looking at new um, chemistry. Uh, you're, you've got a bunch of backs who everybody's trying to prove something. Gavin Sawchuck was hurt. Uh, he, Brent Venable said he could have played. They decided, he said he's 95%, decided to hold him out. The whole, the big picture is the running game needs, probably like Ryan said, needs time. Yeah, I, th I saw that the running backs, they were running really hard, like you said, hitting the hole hard. Yes. When, when a linebacker's stepping up in the hole, the running back is popping on it. But I didn't see them making a lot of guys miss. I didn't see them breaking a lot of tackles. Um, I, again, you love to see those running backs run hard, but you know when they're when they're not making guys miss at the second level, when they're not breaking those tackles, that's you know it's it's they're not really doing that. The next taking the next step, doing that that little bit extra that separates good from great. Uh, and again, like you guys said, that's something that can easily be fixed. Um, Ryan pointed out they, the that Arkansas State blitzed a lot inside, and we saw that hurt them on the out on the perimeter where they got beat down the field repeatedly, uh, and so. You know, when you're playing a team that's maybe more balanced on defense, that's not necessarily selling out to, you know, beat you up the middle, uh, and you're able to have more success in the run game. But the, the way that those running backs ran hard, they popped the guys that were in front of them. Uh, you know, they, they, they did not go down easily, at least. That's, you do like to see that. And like, like we've said, these guys are really, really young outside of Marcus Major and Tommy Walker. So that will probably improve as the season goes on. And like Ryan said, as these guys aren't nervous trying to take control of the room, I'm sure. This Barnes performance looked like the Javante Barnes of the non-conference last year, where he looked like he was more intent to run over somebody mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. run to the open field. I, I sense that a little bit today. And I really think whether you want to put it under whatever you want to call it, first game jitters, dusting the, knocking the rust off, stuff like that. For like Barnes, I almost think it was more of that, especially when because of availability, Major and Walker named the co-starters. I wonder if that was like, a, I want to show, look, I'm running over guys, as opposed to just, yeah. brother, just get to the open field, make somebody <laughs> miss and run for a touchdown. I think I guarantee the coaches will like that more than uh, ending a, an Arkansas State linebacker's career at the 20. Any other uh, points you guys want to hit on offensively before we switch over to defense? Gavin Freeman's good. Yeah. Jaquez Petaway is going to be a dude for a few years. Nine catches, 56 yards. A lot of those short throws. He was the safety valve for, yeah. for Jackson Arnold today. I like everything about his game. I saw him in high school several times. I like his game. Yep. Uh, defensively, we can beat a dead horse or a dead red wolf all night. Um, they're not very good. <laughs> defensively, uh, Oklahoma's defense kind of had their way. They pitched a shutout. Uh, kicker who missed one field goal last year missed two tonight, <laughs> today. Uh, so that was weird. Um, they had a couple of other opportunities. Ball 
kind of off a guy's hands. Had a receiver open one time and uh, had a guy running across the middle on third down, I think, and, and con they converted but ended up punting or something like that. Maybe it was one of those missed field goals. But basically, Arkansas State's offense is not very good. Oklahoma's defense didn't really get to flex, I thought, with a lot of tackles for loss and a lot of quarterback sacks. They just kind of, I don't know, they just, they were serviceable today. Oklahoma, they pitched a shutout, and yet you look at the defensive performance and you're like, eh, it could be a lot better. Yeah, talking about the pass rush, Brent Venables said, like, look, I know it's improved. Don't know if you got to see it today because they were in max protect and, and moving quick a lot. Eight guys blocking on almost every play. Totally agree. Brent Venables has lost more about lost more knowledge about defense than I'll ever know, but I would also have liked to see seen Trace Ford just make somebody look silly. Um, yeah. We'll see next – next week's going to be a huge barometer for this defense. SMU is stoked about Preston Stone, uh, and, and that'll be a lot better. But – Here's the thing, outside of a couple of mental busts, fundamentally, Jaron Canick said after the game, they didn't get a chance to be flashy because they had just a bunch of three and outs pretty quick. It wasn't huge tackles for a lot of stuff like that. I think you could tell the interior of that defensive line was a lot more physical. I think that popped off, uh, not the screens we weren't watching on TV, but th that jumped out to me today. And uh, things just looked calm in the secondary. Guys didn't look like they didn't know what was happening. Uh, they looked like they knew it was going on. You saw some early play recognition from Gentry Williams blew up a big screen, laid, laid a hit on somebody. I just thought it looked like a smooth operation for a defense that was very vanilla and in year two. But I think with this side of the ball more than anything, uh, I'll put literally nothing into this. Stop SMU and, and I'll be willing to have a conversation. But for now, if everything looked better, they're confident, I get it. Um, JT Stroud stinks. I, I, real quick, Randall, I think uh, I said earlier they had zero quarterback hurries. They had two, actually, because it breaks over onto the other page, and I'm looking at the wrong page, so my, my mistake. I was about to say, Davis Bevel felt a quarterback hurry. Yes, he most certainly did. Um, six tackles for loss, though. When you think about this, Randall, I'll ask it to you this way. They, they started four transfers on the defensive line. Yeah. One of them transferred in last year, Jonah Lahulu. The other three guys that they started on the D, on the four-man front, four-man front, they started four, three of those four guys transferred in this year, the two defensive ends and, and then Lacey a tackle. Um, is that right? No, Dejon Terry a tackle. Lacey did come in though. That's yep. great news to see somebody who in the middle of the summer was worried about blood clots taking their life or taking their middle of taking their senior season and instead, you know, he's out here in the season opener playing college football. That's awesome. We love that. But uh, those guys, how do you feel like those transfers played? Because there was a lot of them. Yeah, I, I think that the defensive line played really well. I, I know that, like we said, they, the defense didn't make a ton of big highlight plays. I think, you know, if you want to, like, maybe find some of those highlight plays, Gentry Williams blew up a, a short pass. And uh, uh, can I Walker maybe? Can I Walker or Peyton Bowen took a fumble away? Bowen uh, was... Uh, German suplexing a dude and Walker it, ripped it in the middle of the suplex Walker like a good tag team teammate just uh, I think I saw it was it somebody on Twitter I'm sorry a lot happened uh, described it as very similar to the Caleb Kelly yeah. strip at OU Texas two years ago where uh, oh thank you I'll take that as you fall to the ground yeah uh, but but we didn't see a ton of highlight plays no no not really any big sacks not a bunch of you know big time tackles for loss where they're just blowing up these plays in the backfield but what we did see was that Arkansas State had no room to run the ball there was no holes on, in that offensive line they did not have 
big gaps for the running backs to run through. The defensive line made it really, really tough on those guys, and that freed up Danny Stutzman, that freed up Jaron Connect, that even later in the game, Kip Lewis, Kobe McKenzie, freed those guys up to fly downhill and just meet those running backs in the backfield. I have, I have it on the highlight video that Hoove mentioned is on allsooners.com right now. When the defensive line has just taken an offensive lineman out of the play. Danny Stutzman's free to fly downhill and just crack that running back. And he did it multiple times. And when you have those big bodies, those guys who can eat up blocks, who are not going to get put on the ground, it's going to be a lot harder for teams to run the ball through that defensive line. And, I mean, last year we saw, we were talking about it, Garrett Green ran the ball all over the Sooners' defense against in Morgantown and led them to a win. I, I'm obviously not going to say that that's not going to happen this year, but with this new defensive line and looked at looking at what we saw this year, it looks like that might not be as much of a problem, at least after week one. Danny Stutzman uh, said in his post-game press conference, I think he was answering me. He was looking at me when he said it, so maybe he was answering somebody else. Uh, he said uh, it was good that um, he, he only, had, only played like 25 snaps. He finished with four tackles, but he only played like 25 snaps. And I think I asked a follow-up something like, is that better than last year when you were, you know, playing so many snaps? And, and he was just like, yeah, it's awesome. Um, they, they ran some substitutions early on. Uh, Kip Lewis came in, 206-pound yeah. Kip Lewis came in and played the weak side linebacker. Danny Stutzman slid back to Mike when they did that. that I confirmed that with Jaron Kanick. Uh, Kanick was uh, had his got his first start today at uh, middle linebacker. Yeah, middle linebacker, Mike Backer. First start in general at Oklahoma. Was well. it his very first? Yeah. Per per the notes, yeah. first start, first start well, for Kanick. He he played. You know, I'm not sitting here trying to grade him like I'm his linebacker coach or something. I'm not going to pretend that. But I thought he played every. Uh, he was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, he he was aware when he was. You know, you could see. And, and that's something that's just comes with time. The more time on task you get, the more you more time you get with these coaches, the more their language becomes your language and the more their thinking becomes your thinking. And he was said, he told me straight up, he was understanding what was happening before it was happening and as it was happening. That was impressive. Yeah, and I think to, not to move away from the linebackers, but regardless of tackle for loss numbers, sacks, whatever, I did not notice a sizable drop off a lot in the first half when they were rotating those bodies yeah, in the middle. That's right. And that's going to help whether it's Kip Lewis, whether it's Jaron Kanick, whether it's Connor Near, who has a wealth of experience but not at this level. All of those guys are making a huge adjustment, either playing significant snaps for the first time or playing at Power 5 level. The easiest thing or the best thing for those guys is to clean up that picture in front by the defensive lineman just being in the right gaps, not being able to get moved around, stuff like that. That's why they Todd Bates loves his girth, as he said. That's why um, I, I think you saw Jaron Kinnick have a really good day. Play an actual – I'd like to see them play an actual team for to really grade the linebackers. Yeah, for sure. Because I think that's where it became really difficult for the second level. Um, it was really hard, frankly, for me to kind of discern heads from tails other than, yeah, they're dominating a really bad football team. And the good news is – in years past, when you throw the second string guys in, it turned from dominating a bad football team to being totally in control and not being dominant. And I thought outside of the mental bust, I thought they dominated start to finish. So that's improvement. Uh, but I'm firmly in the 
I don't think I learned a lot about the linebackers today in a, in a good way because Oklahoma was so overwhelming. Yeah. I, I think that I also want to add real quick before we move on from the linebackers that before he got hurt, Desan McCullough did make a few nice plays. Uh, he won in coverage too. Yes, that, that, and that's that's the play that I was going to bring up was they, they threw a little screen pass to, or uh, not a screen pass, but a short pass right to his side and he was there, he broke it up, was on the on the play and I, I think that, you know, that, again, it's Arkansas State, we know, but it's exciting to see that he can make those plays in coverage against FBS teams in real games, not just in practice. Because that was the big question about him, a guy who's played a lot of linebacker, even played some defensive end. Uh, can can he cover in space? Uh, what is that like? You know, Justin. He said Justin Harrington's been helping him out a lot with his coverage, and so you know, again, it was one play, but it's encouraging to see. Harrington started at the at the yeah. uh, uh, cheetah. And he not only started, but I think he made two tackles or, or two plays on the first three, yeah. first three plays, uh, first drive. I think they, they went three and out. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, uh, five plus a, a punt plus a fumble. So seven, seven drives right there by Arkansas State that went absolutely nowhere. That's encouraging because Oklahoma struggled last year so bad on third down. And we could flip this and say offensively they struggled on third down and defensively they struggled third down. Uh, but defensively, since we're talking about the defense, Ryan, their third down percentage was exceptional today. Two for 12. Danny Sussman tried to sell it to me as one for 11. Uh, I looked at the stats. It's officially two for 12. Danny, by the way, gave the defense a D, D minus. He <laughs> said 60 out of 100. He said he gave himself a C minus, needs to do a lot better. He even gave Jaron Canick, his boy, a C plus. <laughs> well, I, this is a defense that got high on their own supply yes. after the non-con last year, yes. and that's I. It's just funny how players and coaches work because today Brent Venables is like, yeah, no one's beating their chest about this. <laughs> in Lincoln, Brent Venables, how many times who in that one press conference was he like, we are 0-0 in Big 12 play, we have proved nothing, yep. it's a long season. This means a lot to Oklahoma to beat Nebraska, but it means nothing to the year, and it meant nothing to the year. So it, it's good, I think, from the start to have that mindset into this defense because this exact group got overconfident and then was humbled very quickly, and they'll tell you that. And I think almost not a shot at anybody who left the program or anything, but I think this new group of leadership that is now – as they've ascended into leadership positions, Stutzman is now a leader under Venables. I think they're mirroring that as opposed to a previous coaching staff that would walk into press conference and be like, I don't get why everyone's so mad. We yep, won the game. Yep, yep, previous coaching staff. That's right. I don't know what everyone's so mad about. <laughs> Paraphrasing. We won almost. another game. We it's, won another game hey, by three points by hanging on. People don't understand how hard it is to beat Arkansas State center through the nothing. Hey, Je Jeff Lebby's offense has a 73 nothing win. Lincoln Riley's offense never won 73 nothing. Am I right? Uh, Caleb, I, I think. 73? They, they put up 76 on Western Carolina. What year was that, though? That was, was Jalen Hurts, wasn't it? Oh, uh, it was Lincoln Riley's offense. What am I thinking? It was 2021. Was it 21? Yeah. Uh, Caleb Williams would slot right into that's the That's right. You're, no, you're right. I'm, it, I'm it trying was, to take a shot, and that's totally unwarranted. Way to go, who? <laughs> I forgot about Western Carolina. Hey, stick we to hacking off Bob Stoops. I can, mentioned can, it at the beginning, but I forgot that we it can, was just two years ago. We can say that that game doesn't count, though, because it was on pay-per-view. Also, it was right after COVID, so it doesn't count. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Stick to going at media mobile Bob Stoops. <laughs> media mobile Bob Yeah, he's he's... He's got it figured out. Uh, by the way, I saw Carol after the game. She came up and said hi, and then she ran over and got something like an assessment on her son's shoulder. I said, how is he? And she said, I think he's going to be okay. <laughs> so, 
That's kind of where that sits. Uh, Brent, by the way, said that he. Did you mention uh, AC, AC sprain? For, are we going injuries? And he wanted to go in back into the game. Yeah, AC sprain said, for Stoops. No, stop. Get down off the horse. You're you're done. Ankle for Desan McCullough. That's something that it sounds like has flared up a couple of times during camp. Uh, Brent Venables labeled it as not severe, but all these post game injury, he said they need to be evaluated a little bit more. And Brent Venables said that the early signs for Bevel might be an MCL as opposed to something worse. But again, on all of those, they're going to want to run them through the official training room uh, before I think that they make – but that was the unofficial injury report from Brent Venables uh, in we'll, post game. Maybe we'll have a, uh, an update on Tuesday Yeah, when we talk to Brent because I know the coordinators aren't saying squat on Monday, right? About injuries. About injuries. About correct. injuries. Yeah, they'll talk about their scheme and whatnot. But they're not going to talk about the injuries. What do you guys think played better, the defense or the offense? I think the offense played better. Same. I mean, I mean, the defense did pitch a shutout, but like we said, they, the pass rush wasn't necessarily uh, didn't pop off the page. The defense, yep. the defense looked more like they did what they were supposed to, and Arkansas State didn't necessarily execute on their level. Whereas Oklahoma's offense, you could tell that they were firing on all cylinders, they were executing, they were doing what they needed to do to score. Whereas no, no shot at the defense, but it seemed like they were more just. You know, kind of taking the blows, playing, playing, uh, playing the game. I mean, I don't think it's a shot. But when you these two units, one of them was a top twenty unit in total offense last year. The other one was the one hundred and twenty second total defense in the country. I think everybody knows that. Um, and I think that the defense, though, by virtue, a little bit of what you can do defensively versus offensive line and quarterback. The defense also rotated their starters out a lot faster yeah. than the offense. So uh, I think that the fact that they were able again pitch a shutout and do that with heavy rotation throughout the whole thing can't possibly take that as a negative for the defense but yeah the offense played better my favorite one-sided statistic of this game was zach schmidt had 755 yards on kickoffs uh arkansas state's guy had 35. <laughs> the, the long the, the pooch open, kick to the, start the game the that's opening right. kick yeah that's right the fair catch to uh, ethan Downs. shout out ethan Downs. that's right um but uh, where i'm going with that of course is uh special teams schmidt 12 kickoffs 10 touchbacks that's all you can ask uh the wind was not whipping out here today it was calm it was light breeze uh, he 10 of 10 on extra points and one of one on field goals. Josh Plaster didn't have any problems with any of the holds. Ben well, Anderson was the snapper and everything was fine. Well, you saw some. He's down on the field, so he saw something. There was one snap on an extra point where the the snap did get messed up. It got fumbled, and uh, Zach Schmidt literally stopped. I missed that. And the uh, um, was it? You said Plaster. Schmidt stopped, Plaster grabbed the ball off the ground, reset it, Schmidt took one step forward, kicked it through the uprights, and the extra point was I made. heard the person next to me said, well, kick the ball finally. <laughs> like that. I was like, what What did I miss? What happened? So that's it. That's a great description. But not, like, to whose point? Only only one mistake on, uh, on, on the holds, and it didn't even end up costing them any points. And it was one punt, 50 yards. Yeah. That'll do. That'll do. That'll that's do. how you do it. Anything else to wrap this thing up? Special teams, touchdown too. Uh, the, of course, the punt return touchdown. G freaky. When he when he got through the first leg, not the, even the first wave, it was like past the first guy and there's still like six guys in front of him. You could see him kind of angling away from him and then he jumped through him and I was like, touchdown. Yeah. And and then he stayed, like, stayed in bounds and juked a guy at the end and outran another guy at the end and then high-fived his teammate at the end because he's going across the goal line. It's like, dude. 
That's scoring a touchdown with style. You yeah. even scored, it was 82 yards, and his number is 82. You even scored the style that way. You ready for a piping hot take, boss? Let's hear it. That wasn't his best punt return of the game. The one where he <laughs> where he flubbed the, uh, well, first off, Gavin, don't muff the punt. That's the first step. Right, yep, but yep, yep. the fact that he muffed it, was able to corral it, not just have to fall on the football. And then it, I think he ran, um, I've got my eyes, my stat track. Uh, he ran 6,000 yards to get like 10 yards yeah. back, basically. But so. I'm doing these uh, Barry Switzer best players in, in school history, and I've, I just watched the Joe Washington punt return oh. in, in, against USC. And when Freeman started moving, I was like, he's not going to do a Joe Washington <laughs> I mean, I just watched it yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind, but no, it's not quite to that level. Gavin Washington. <laughs> Gavin Washington. Little, little Gavin. But to, Ryan, to your point, I was going to bring up that punt return too. I think that you know having a dangerous guy with the ball in his hands back there like that is is huge for OU. It's, we've seen special teams as something they don't necessarily focus on in the past, and now that that's I don't want to say that they're necessarily focusing on it, but it's an aspect of their of their routine, just like everything else, and it's paid off. You know, successful on extra points, field goals, punts, and punt returns. Lincoln Riley was truthful in his final answer to Oklahoma media when I asked him if he was going to hire a special teams coach and he said no and then he got up and left and went to California hire a special teams coach that kind of stuff happens yep. Jay Nunez loves being the guy that uh, you know that's not like they divvy up like the assistant coaches divvy up the like Joe John Finley does kickoffs and Bill Biedenboe does extra points and stuff like that so it's all divvied up among the, the coaches but it's Jay Nunez who runs those things and of course he puts somebody in there and says, go get him. Doesn't say, nah, I don't feel that one. Fair catch that one. Get away from that one. He doesn't say that stuff. He says, go get him and score. And he, guess what? He did. Yep. Brilliant. Yeah, it, uh, Gavin Freeman's good. Gavin Freeman, good at football. <laughs> G Freaky. I'll never stop saying that, G Freaky. Like, where'd it come from? Shout out Marvin Mims. We, we tried to get him to say, to say where it came from. And he said, Marvin Mims gave it to him in a meeting and that's really all I want to say about that. Like, there was some story, some backstory, and it just, he wouldn't share it. Gosh. Tough, tough. Well, also when you've got like seven Gavins on the team. <laughs> Gotta separate them somehow. Well, Anything else? I, that, that's it for me. You want to wrap it up? I'm hungry, boss. Can we go eat? Let's go get some food. Hey, uh, thanks for you guys. What did I tell you? This was my 233rd or 233rd game that I've covered on the OU beat. Okay, I've been to some other games, but man, when you look up here and it's 73 to nothing, and you see what Gavin Freeman did today, and you see what uh, the Oklahoma defense did today, and you see what Jackson Arnold did today, I'm just I'm humbled by being able to sit here with you guys and be able to do this. We flip these lights on and we turn that camera on, and it's like you know showtime. But I can't believe I get to do this for a living. This is my job. Well, you said this is your 233rd OU game on the beat. This is my first How about ever that? college Congrats, football game this that I've covered. First ever college football game of coverage. It was great. OU, uh, they made it a, an entertaining game. It was fun. And I'm, I'm very thankful I get to be here with y'all, too. There you go. What is this, like 28 I'm just here. <laughs> no streaks, no big numbers. Yeah, shout out to the COVID flu. Thank you, Eddie. Yeah. Hey, I want to thank you guys again for listening. Uh, we will be back next, what, Wednesday probably, most likely, with the All Sooners podcast. You can catch that one and all of our shows on Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, iHeart, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you have an Amazon-enabled device, just say, Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. It is posted on our website, allsooners.com. You can see that later on tonight, much later. Uh, 
Music.com. Just click the player, uh, listen on your phone, your tablet, or your computer, and all these shows, if that camera doesn't quit in the next five seconds, all these shows will be posted on my YouTube channel, John Hoover Media. For Randall Sweet, for Ryan Chapman, I'm John Hoover. See you guys.